Today's epistle lesson comes from chapter 11 in the book of Romans. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful to all. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are God's judgments and how inscrutable God's ways. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Biblical theologians have a mixed assessment, assessment of our dear ancient brother Paul. As I have stated several times before in this series, Jesus founded the church that bears his name. Paul had a lot to do with the form and shape the body took in its early years. Jesus wrote none of the books of the Bible, Paul's name is attached, though not without vigorous debate, to 13 of the 27 books in the Christian portion we call the New Testament. While we revere the Bible as God's inspired word to humans, as we do, we sometimes scratch our heads that temperamental folks like Paul could have been given so much leeway in making the church the church. I don't intend to get into all of those details this morning, rather to focus on one aspect of his personality that I particularly appreciate. His ability to drop back 10 yards and punt when necessary. That's how I describe his actions in this part of his letter to the Romans. Remember, he wrestles mightily for nearly three chapters with the relationship between the historic Hebrew faith and the burgeoning branch that was coming to be called the Christian church, the church of little Jesuses, literally. As I said last week, I am mostly leaving that struggle alone, except that I pointed out the breaking down of the centuries-old wall between us 
and them. Remember that? Dear Lord, Paul ties himself in theological knots, but comes to be able to espouse the following perspective. I ask then, rhetorically of course, has God rejected his people? By no means. For the gift and calling of God are irrevocable. Not a simple matter-of-fact declaration. There's a lot going on behind the scenes here. But rather, it seems to me, a kind of tossing of one's hand in the air and soul on the mercy of God, who has bound all things together in a matter that mere mortals cannot comprehend. Paul screams so much in the concluding doxology of this three-chapter excursus. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are God's judgments and how inscrutable God's ways. Paul, to use a football metaphor, plunges into the line of scrimmage for three chapters, gaining two yards here, three there. Then he realizes that he has come up short. And when one, when faced with the immensity of the Holy One's ways, he drops back in my mind and punts. Not out of anger or frustration or anxiety, but in a most profound spirit of worship. Hear the words again. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are God's judgments and how inscrutable God's ways. Paul teaches me, at least, a marvelous lesson in grace and awe and humility in this hymn of praise. He so, so, so wanted to wrap up his thoughts on this relationship between his brother Hebrews and the new Christian church so much. He wanted to wrap them up in an intensely personal, wonderful way in a neatly curled ribbon of resolution. And he simply can't do it. Paul convinces me, way less astute than he, that it is okay to admit that we don't always get it. I don't have the answers to all of life's persistent questions. That punting sometimes fits into God's eternal plan. So why is this so important? Because somewhere along the way, Christians have been given, and in some cases, have taken upon themselves the mantle of spiritual know-it-alls. Some of them have gone so far as to suggest that we should all be like them that we should never be tongue-tied when asked a challenging question, that we should never doubt that the Spirit will give us all the correct words to say at any time and in every situation in life.
when that particular faith shoe doesn't fit, and it doesn't fit for me, we can sometimes feel less than sufficient for the task at hand and even lose our self-confidence in the process, our faith in ourselves. You can make a pretty good argument that Paul wanted to resolve this very personal issue more than nearly anything else, and he couldn't. He doesn't beat the who out of himself and go off into evangelist purgatory. He simply acknowledges that he doesn't understand this part of God's judgments and ways. And life will go on for him in a wonderfully worshipful fashion. Paul, the energizer bunny of apostles who always seem to have a response to almost every doubt or question or critique of the gospel, ends up on this particular issue dropping back 10 yards and punting in a most grace-filled manner. And I want to follow Paul's example on this score. I would like to introduce a difference which some will claim is without, or a distinction which some of you will claim is without a difference. Humans can explain a number of things that they cannot understand. Humans can explain a number of things they cannot understand. For example, humans, not I, but humans, some of them, can explain how a minute point of absolute energy can fuse, then erupt in creative power in such a way as to initiate the billions of years long unfolding of the universes that we call our home. We find it difficult to understand how the creator of all things knit together the laws of physics and energy that allowed the nothingness of space to tr be transformed into the place of beauty we see all around us. We can take a stab at explaining that. Understanding it is another matter, I contend. I, even I, can explain how the plugging of a bean seed into the warm, moist soil leads to the explosion of cells resulting in the profusion of beans. Enough to feed oneself, one's neighbors, and whoever else passes by with an empty arm. I shrink to understand how providence has tucked the force of life into those little ovals. Sociologists, and I kind of am one of those, can explain how genetics and environment and behavior can impact the human life so as to cause distress and disease even if they themselves sometimes punt when someone asks them to explain, to understand the why of it. Explaining and understanding. 
two separate parts of our human experience, at least in my mind. Paul spends the better part of three chapters explaining the ways of God. He admits at the end of chapter 11 that he doesn't understand them. And he accepts his limitations while still penning a rousing doxology of praise. I don't share these thoughts to allow us an easy way out of hard wrestling, work, the hard work of wrestling with the matters of faith and life. We don't have an easy way out. Paul doesn't punt until after he's expended large amounts of intellectual energy. He simply doesn't allow his lack of finding the answer to stop him from his profession of faith in God's inscrutable ways. Two final thoughts. Deep thinkers, I have found, make up a large portion of Third Church membership. That's very good. I relish serving a church where someone comes up to me after worship or sends me an email or comments in the comment line, you know, preach, I'm not so sure that I agree with what you've had to say today. Here's what I think. And off we go, seeking to help each other understand God's ways. The downside, however, impacts us when we can't figure out God's ways and we allow that to be a stumbling block. And we could try, either simply adopting someone else's belief, which is not a plan I suggest, or throwing in the faith towel altogether. Be like Paul, I say. He didn't understand but he still believed. We may punt more often than we like, but we expect that we will have another chance to run at least three more downs in due time. A punt, remember, is a tactical act, giving a person and a team and a church time to reflect, regroup, and return to the effort. That was one of my two final thoughts. The final, final thought. I'm glad God's ways are inscrutable. By that, I mean way over my head. I think I know less about God now, but more about God's relationship to me than I did 40 years ago when I started this career. I imagine that understanding pleases God. I love to interact with colleagues who can impress me with the machinations of their minds, even if I don't comprehend what some of them will have to say. Gabby, that will be your experience too, I'm sure. I don't think I'm a dummy. But long ago, I realized that I'm no theological genius. I once pretended I was, and that didn't go so well. So I stopped. I keep working at it, and I even enjoy the effort. No longer do I puzzle 
when I don't understand. I do my best imitation of Paul and break into a worshipful song and maybe even a dance and croon like Paul. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are God's judgments and how inscrutable God's ways. Thanks be to God. Amen.